Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm your host from Indigo's Prop Australia. And you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides, and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever-changing NDIS world. Today, we have a lovely guest speaker, another podcaster by the name of Tanya Gomez. Tanya, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting. I've listened to so many of your podcasts now that... No, you lie. Surely not. Surely not. And you know what? I refer all my clients to them now. Everyone who calls me with all these SDA questions, I was like, I'm just going to send you an episode of a podcast because they'll <laughs> save me 20 minutes of my time. <laughs> Great. Tanya, should we talk about all your all your uh, different brands? Tanya Gomez Consulting, Strawberry Solutions, your podcast named the Profitable NDS Provider. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Yep, and previously Provider Plus. Wow, so many different brands and services. Where do you find the time? Oh, wait, your husband, Ken, right? Ken Gomez? He does all the, uh, all the, all the work behind the scenes. <laughs> um, well, I don't, know, I don't know about that. He would love to hear that. Um, he's, he's an auditor in the space and he definitely helps me out. And we have four children, so he definitely, we definitely split children and work together and we somehow make it all work. Yeah. Wow, wonderful. So you, you are in Perth, West Australia. I am. Yeah, so I moved from Sydney to Perth about uh, almost a year ago. Why the change in scenery, my ask? We moved for a simpler life, a cheaper life, but also mm-hmm. because my, my husband's originally from Perth and he hasn't lived in the same state as his family for 30 years. So his dad is 80 this year and um, we thought we might as, you know, the, the lockdowns was created a really big distance between us. Yes. So I'd never met two of my four children. So we mm-hmm. thought we'd come across and spend some time together and we completely work online, so we can live anywhere. So we thought we might as well live. You know, we're, we're 100 metres from the beach. Our house is a tenth of the price of our Sydney house. And we just thought we'd have a few nice years where our children are young, hanging out by the beach together. Mm-hmm. That's a lovely, lovely life you have there. One. Yeah. Thank you. So let's, let's start with this thing here called the Tanya Gomez Consulting Business. Yeah. Tanya, to our listeners, they, they heard us mention in the past about providers, but they don't really know what it takes to become a provider. Can you give us in real layman terms why businesses become providers, registered providers, and or why they become unregistered providers and what's the process to become a provider overall? Yeah. Yeah. So people become registered so that they can access agency-managed participants. There's three ways that participants get money or can use their funding. They can self-manage, they can agency-manage, or they can use a plan manager. And if they're agency-managed, they have to choose registered providers. Um, and a reg- or people who are wanting to register for SDA and behaviour supports also have to be registered providers. So anyone wanting to be an SDA provider has to go through a registration process. Um, and there's two registration processes as an SDA provider. There's the process which you talk all about, which I'm not really an expert in at all, which is the enrolling of your dwelling with the agency or the NDIA. 
And the other side of the process is registering with the NGRS Commission. And to register with the NGRS Commission, there's an application form you do via their website um, that includes self-assessment answers, which are 2,000 words, 2,000 characters and answer for 24, uh, about 250 blurbs you have to write in your application. You submit that and you get what's called a scope of audit form. And you have to then engage a quality auditor, an AQA. Um, there's 19 AQAs in the market and you need to choose one, pay them a bunch of money, and then go through an audit process to be audited as an NGRS provider. Um, and that whole that process takes between 12 months and 18 months to get your registration certificate before you can be operated as a registered provider. Has it always been 12 to 18 months to get the license? It's So the actual audit process takes about six to eight weeks, and then you really just are in a waiting period with the NGRS Commission. So it really depends on how many applications they have, how long it takes. The shortest I've ever heard of is six months wait for approval. And the longest I've got clients who are up to almost 19, 20, 24 months that are, are waiting for approval. So anywhere between six months and two years is about standard. And I've, I haven't heard it being less. I know some consultants say you can do get approved within six months, but that is like the quickest. And, and if you're a verified provider, which is low risk, so if you're a cleaner, gardener, those or allied health, if you're in the low risk areas, you might get through in six months. But more often, I hear of people waiting at least over a year. Gotcha. I I know of a company in Melbourne who specifically target property investors and get them registered as providers themselves. Do you do you ever come across in the past in your past life in Provider Plus property investors who just become a provider for the, for the sake of being a provider, being a landlord property owner? Yes, and I've audited a number of them as well as an auditor myself. I've audited a number of investors who have become providers because they want to they want to feel like they're closer to controlling the money and the the money that comes back. They want to be able to to feel like they have more control and not not specifically choose another provider so that there's not more parties involved. Mm. The process is exactly the same as a normal SEA provider applying through the same process. Yeah. You're, there's no price to the NGIA. You don't pay, so the commission, you don't pay the commission anything to apply. You just pay for the audit from the auditing body as a third-party service. So for an SDA provider, you're looking between three and $5,000. And SDA providers only have an audit every three years where everyone else has one every 18 months. So you're looking at, you know, let's call it $5,000 to be conservative and that's going to last you for three years. So you've got a three-year audit every three years and five grand every three years. So it doesn't, it's not any more expensive. There's no other variables that would make it more expensive. Um, once you start going through the renewal cycle at three years, if you have more participants or more sites, that's when it becomes more expensive. So I have seen and I have audited SDA providers on twenty dollars or $30,000 audits, but that's because they have so many sites that we need to go and visit all of those sites personally and you have to pay for time and travel time. Gotcha. Speaking of providers, I mean, you've probably done about 4,000 in the past, is that right? Yeah, so Provider Plus registered 4,000 providers between 2017 and 2023. Yeah. How many providers are out there of all kinds in the marketplace? I think it's about 20,000. I think it's about 20,000 providers. Wow. It's about 10,000 registered providers. And then we assume there's about double that again of unregistered providers. And unregistered providers are usually people like support work. So even SIL providers can be unregistered. 
Um, you only need to be a registered provider if you're providing SDA or behavior supports, including implementing. So if you're a SIL provider that has you know robust housing and you have participants who have high needs, you most probably will be a registered provider or you know you would you'd be cutting yourself out of of potential clients if you weren't where if you were if you were doing nursing services as a registered nurse and you had no intentions to deal with people that had psychosocial disabilities you wouldn't need to be a registered provider so there's more and more people choosing not to become registered providers and they can use that that 10% 5% of their cost that they would pay in compliance to keep their records up to date into investing mm. in their business in other ways. Gotcha, gotcha. So tell me more about your podcast that you've launched recently uh, and it's published, I've seen on Spotify and whatnot. Uh, wh- wh- why are you doing this podcast? What have you learned so far about the topics and and what's your end goal here with regards to the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So the podcast is with Paul and myself. He's a business coach and I'm a compliance person, I suppose. I'm not sure what I am, but um, both of us really want to help NDRS providers be successful and activate in the market. It, it's said that 50% of people who register never get an NDRS client. And there's the simple reason for that is that they're really unclear about how to run a business and really unclear about how to move from being a support worker or providing services themselves to being a business owner. And we're trying to make that easier for them. And we're focusing, the reason for the profitable NGIS provider is that we wanted to really focus on all business issues and talk about sustainable long-term businesses, not just about compliance, which is my area, and not just around business, which is Paul's area, but actually the, the reason to be a provider isn't just for profit, but if you don't have profit, you don't have a long-term business. And we feel like in the disability sector, similar to how it was when I worked in childcare, profit's almost sometimes a dirty word. And we wanted to flip the script and talk about profit as a tool for growth, talk about profit as a tool to enhance people's lives, not about something you need to feel guilty about and think about, okay, you know, oh, well, I don't want to make money off participants. It's about being able to run a, a good business in a competitive marketplace, and that actually takes quite a lot of skills. And so our, our, we've, re- we've released five episodes. Uh, tomorrow is the fifth episode. We've recorded 10, and we've just scheduled our second series of 10 episodes. That'll start in July, and we're really enjoying it. I'm really liking talking to other people in the space. It's great to connect with like-minded people who are also successful about seeing providers succeed. That's great to hear. So your podcast is helping connect people in the industry, good. Your business itself, Tanya Gomez Consulting, that is a consultancy business to help providers just move along on their evolution of growth. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, to help them comply with the standards. The standards are really confusing and complicated. And I like to think of myself as them having an expert in their corner, someone who can guide them through the process, coach, guide, mentor them, and help them understand all of the pitfalls so that they don't make the same mistakes and they don't spend years and years and, and a hell of a lot of money in areas that they don't need to. You know, most people, when they apply to be a registered provider, they go in with a mess. They add too many registration groups. They're not clear on what they're delivering or who they're delivering to. And their order experience is stressful, expensive, and it doesn't need to be that way. They just need to have a few really intelligent conversations with someone like me to really explain to them what they're doing in this application, why it's important, what you choose. And that really simplifies the whole process for them. So, you know, a, a bouncing board to say, okay, I want to be a SIL provider. How do I get there? Well, to be a SIL provider, you need to add these registration groups. This is what it's going to look like. This is the cost. These are the time it's going to take you. And these are the pitfalls to look out for. These are the, you know, 
the, the simple things, similar to what you do on your podcast with really explaining SDA in detail, I really work through with my clients on a one-to-one basis to help them understand who they are, where they're operating, um, and what they need to be aware of if they want to make a, a successful business long-term. Great. In the past, have you dealt with the matter, I'm going to ask you right now, with your clients when they're applying for registration as a provider, and they say, I want to be a SIL provider and an SDA provider. Yeah. Okay. What's your opinion on that topic? What's your opinion on on that long term, given the, the government's stance on the conflict there? If, if a client would come to you now, what would you say to them as well on that topic? Yeah, I get asked this all the time. Look, there is a conflict of interest between being an SDA provider and a SIL provider, but conflicts aren't necessarily a bad thing. They just need to be managed and they need to be identified. So you can have one entity operating as a SIL provider and an SDA provider as long as you're managing that conflict. And some providers do that really well. I do, you know, it's horses for courses a little bit. If a client spoke to me a few days ago about becoming an SDA provider and he already is an established SIL provider and my suggestion was, well, let's just set up a new company and register it separately because you've got different shareholders, you've got different people who are involved, you kind of want a different brand, you already have many relationships with other SDA providers in your SIL operation. Do you want to muddy the waters and, and, you know, do you want to seem like, you're now a competitor of theirs or do we want separate branding around that? How do you want to position yourself in the market? Who are you dealing with? And really thinking it through from a business perspective. So sometimes the answer is, let's keep it completely separate. And sometimes the answer is, well, are we ever really going to get to the point of using of using SDA? So they're already a SIL provider. The jump to SDA is quite large and it's not, you know, every SIL provider shouldn't be an SDA provider. They don't, they're not mutually exclusive. So it's really figuring out what are their long-term goals. Um, if it is easy enough to register another business, then let's do that and keep it separate because that is easier. But in some circumstances, it makes sense to keep it together as as one entity and just manage the conflict. So it really depends on who they are, what are they trying to achieve, and where are they in their maturity of understanding the scheme as well. Great answer. As you were talking, I'm thinking about all the discussions I've had in the past with developers and builders who are also providers. Right? <laughs> do you ever ask them? If, I'm sure you have come across them in the past. Do you ever ask them the question, "What What are your goals? Why you're a builder or you're a developer? What, why do you want to be a provider?" Do you ever ask that question? And or have you ever gone back to them in the in the well, gone back to them again in the past in, again to say how are you going with your role as a provider when your your main focus is being a builder or developer? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I do. And as part of when I'm an auditor with my audit, auditor hat on and I'm auditing people who are builders who have gone into SDA, I do ask them, you know, it, it's part of the audit audit process is to find out what are their experience with working with providers, work with participants directly. How are they, how do they have the skills and experience to understand this whole NGIS world? Um, and some of them have lived experience and they have, you know, a a person that they they have in mind, whether it's a loved one, a, a, a client that they work through, and then that makes sense. But I, I think I'm always really, I'm always advocate for people staying in their lane and doing what they can be the best of the world at. So if you're the best in the world at building, then going to partnership with someone who's the best in the world at providing supports makes a lot more sense than trying to exactly. learn all of those skills yourself because it's a really big learning curve. And it's expensive because time is money. And if you're going to spend years learning this whole new system, isn't your time and your your effort worth 
investing in what you do best and letting someone else deal with the participant side of things and being a provider. But I understand why they want to because they see all of these ads on social media all the time of, you know, $52 billion in the NJS and these huge guarantees that I see around. And it, it, they make it sound really easy and really attractive. So it, it's no wonder that people who are builders go, well, SDA makes sense for me because I already build in this other area, whether it's, you know, building mm-hmm. residential, building commercial, building in childcare centers, building residential aged care homes. And they understand a little bit about it and want to then pursue it as a business opportunity. Yes, exactly. Oof, I, 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 ha- I have trouble keeping up with your, your content. <laughs> I'll go slower. Thank you. <laughs> so to all you listeners out there who are builders and developers, don't think that you have to have a provider license to be successful in the NDS sector. Just be good at what you – just do what you do best. Stay in your lane and work with other groups out there in the marketplace who can work with you and advise you. In fact – if you were to say, oh, I'm a builder and I'm also a provider, they may see that as a threat and may, and they say, well, we don't want to do business with you because you are also a provider. So that's also perceived uh, conflict there as well. Yeah. But anyway, look, that's all nice. I would like to ask you how, how, are you, how, how can we give you advice or support and help with your podcast? We love, in fact, I think you are our first pod, no, you're a second podcast interviewee and how are you finding it? Is it? Is it taking too much time out of your life? Are you enjoying it? Do you plan for it properly? Or are you, are you just going with the flow with your content at the moment on your podcast? No, I'm, a, I'm an organizer. I'm an auditor and very system and process driven. So we mm-hmm. plan episodes in batches of 10 and then mm-hmm. we schedule them in. We do three or four recordings at a time because we go to a studio to record um, centrally mm-hmm. Paul and I together. So we have to be a little bit organized. Um, so it's not taking up too much of my time. I'm enjoying speaking to people. I think our uh, it's just really trying to figure out what else, what, what are the topics that we think that everyone's interested in. I think that's the hardest thing is, okay, what's something that's valuable to the listener? What do people want to hear? And with a brand new audience and a brand new podcast, um, we're just relying on people to tell us, to give us feedback on what we're speaking about and give us other other tips. I, I know we've spoken offline about your feedback on my pop- podcast, which is which is great around keeping it a little bit shorter, breaking it into you know simple simple topics. So we're definitely trying to do a bit more of that in our new series. But yeah, I guess I don't know what what are some tips from you? What what are the what are the the best episodes you've done, and how did you how do you determine what topics you cover? Hang on, I'll ask you this question: What? podcast topics that have you gone through of ours that you quite enjoyed? Yeah, for me, I'm a compliance geek, right? So for me, I loved all the in-depth detail around the design categories and what they mean and who were the players because I understand it at a at a base level from reading the guidelines and from auditing providers, but there it, it's really hard to get a clear definition of these things in, in layman's terms. So for me, it is um, I, I've sent that episode to most of my clients who asked me about SDA. There's, there's a two-part one. I can't remember the names of them, but there's a two-part one around funding, which I really like, mm-hmm. around how participants are funded because, again, that's that's the other side of the coin from what I do. And for me, it just fills in so many gaps in my knowledge as far as now when I'm speaking to people about SDA, I feel like I understand the full circle where before I didn't know what I didn't know, so it really fills in those gaps. 
I, I've, I've looked at all of the topics that you have when I've been deciding which ones to listen to. And I think it's really great that you can go through and go, okay, you know, I knew, know you did one on fire sprinklers because my, my husband's an engineer by background and he was like, oh, the fire sprinkler episode was great. And I was like, yeah, it's probably not something that I would listen to because fire sprinklers don't mean anything to me. But who knows? I don't think anyone loves, who's an engineer and loves, you know, the layout of buildings. He was like, I wish I knew that information sooner. So I think I think um, the way that you've done it has been really interesting as far as a, a short topic and then breaking it down, breaking down the content. We recently had a uh, our last published episode last week, Abdi Mohammed, who was an investor from Melbourne. He said that um, he listens to every single episode. His kids and his wife are always saying, oh, Dad, not again, another NDS podcast. He goes, shut up, I'm listening to it in the car. He's always listening to it day and night in the house. But um, he walked away, he's walked away from knowing full well that how important fire sprinklers were, right? Yeah. And he told his business partner, investor business partner, I said, we've got to put fire sprinklers in. No matter what the money is, put it in no matter what. Because you know we have been harping on about it for so long on our podcast series saying 99% of the whole marketplace in Australia don't, don't do fire sprinklers. But when the changes come by the government, it's going to be drastic. And it's a small price to pay, but do it and do it right. Because you're standing that as an as a as a property owner, you're standing from the rest of the crowd in the oversupply market. If you are in an oversupply market, to to really um, stand out and future proof your asset, the property investment. So, you know, my my advice to you is be aware of topics that people are not aware of themselves, yeah. be it consulting work or a, a auditing a work in the NDS. Um, bring it up slowly, build build it up slowly over, <laughs> over many many months. Um, bring in lots of guest speakers who. Who can who can really elaborate on certain topics that are relevant to the, the providers out there who are you know, who are support workers who want to break out on their own to do their own business at some point in the future? What are they thinking? What are they? Is this too is this too risky to to go, to go forward? Did you know myself until you told me today? I didn't know it was cost free to apply the NDIS for a lot for NDIS license. I thought it was um, four or five grand to an auditor and six, seven grand to another consultancy service. That's what I thought. And I bet no one else understands that either. Then you can do it yourself with an auditor. Again, it's much more harder, I'm sure, without someone yeah. holding your hand. But these are these are little nuances that we don't know unless someone tells us. So again, maybe you should do a little survey with um, people in the past um, or people who, who are coming to you now. What don't you know? What do you know? And then just go from there because basics, in the, the NDS 101, being a provider, what's yeah. involved and what's not involved, so that, that's my advice to you. So our goal for, from our podcast series is to do two per week. And we've done 130 now. So I'm going to do this, this two per week this year. So we'll be at 250 by the end of the year, obviously, 230 by the end of the year. So we'll keep on doing two per week. And our struggle really is what do we keep on talking about? But you know what? It, it's fine. There's so, many, there's so many people out there in the sector right now who we want to interview, who are participants, who are investors, who are develop, developers and builders and providers. Everyone has a story, Tanya. Everyone has a story. And we, can, we all relate to stories. And I think my, my advice to you is just bring on board more people in your podcast who have a story on their journey, their journey through the, the audit, their journey through the 12, 18-month process with the NDIA, their journey as a licensed provider, and now what do they do? Just, just, just show the stories out there for us to hear because I'm also going to the same process myself, and I want to hear these stories. And not, there's, there's no way for us to find people who are in the system waiting to be licensed, well, what's next? We're just waiting, waiting, right? So we would love to hear these stories that you have uh, from your journeys as well, from yourself, and also from other people who are your customers as well, or ex-customers, yeah. 
Thank you. It's great advice. Mm. I believe Debbie from our office is going to be on your podcast very she, soon. Yeah, she is. That's right. I think we're we're catching up with her soon to talk about everything SDA as a basic introduction for our listeners as well and, you know, be able to introduce them to your podcast so they can find all of the information in one place. Were you also interviewed on another podcast, someone else, The Ninja? Uh, yeah, I was, yes. on and the Ninja. Yeah, NJS Ninja crew. So I'm speaking at their Bali retreat in uh, June and um, he was nice enough to invite me on his podcast. I was his second guest. And Rachel, who is, co- is his co-host from Alara, she's one of my clients. Um, so um, I oversee some of their compliance. And so, yeah, it was really nice to be invited on the podcast. And they're doing some really amazing things with providers. So it's, it's great to, to have that network now of all these amazing people who are trying to, you know, do the same thing as me, uh, help providers reach their full potential and run amazing businesses so that participants have a high quality of care. Mm. You're going to Bali? I am, yep. For free? Uh, no, I don't know about for free. I'm taking my whole family. <laughs> we're going for, for 14 days. So I've got mm. five days of a retreat and then I'm hanging out with my family for school holidays. So it's time. Wow, wonderful. Retreat. Yeah. Well, good luck on that trip. And thank you so much for being on our podcast. I look forward to hearing your podcast with Debbie on your show. And uh, we'd love to invite you back in again at your 100th episode down the track, okay? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and also your husband, your husband. If he would, I would love to interview him too, by the way, because get his feedback on what he's learned, what he likes about our show, what he recommends as next topics. Again, he's an avid listener. Yeah. And I would love to interview Let him know that I would like to, I said hi and I'd love to interview him as well, yeah. Okay. I, I, I'll let him know. Every podcast I do, he listens to, and he always says, you didn't mention me enough. So, <laughs> Ken, we love you. We all love you. We can't wait to hear you, okay? <laughs> Tanya, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. We'll t- hear from you soon, okay? Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.